interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Uh, glad to have you along. Uh, we are winding our way uh, through summer here. Here it is already the 29th. And uh, by the way, happy birthday to my sister, who it's it's her birthday today. We won't say how many years, but she's, you know, she's my sister. So you give it a general idea. But uh, happy birthday to Sherilyn. And uh, it's also a day we got a, f- a wedding in the family. We've got a niece getting married. So uh, July 29th, exciting day. What a hot week. I'm in a lovely air-conditioned studio right now, and I hope that you're in an air-conditioned spot, whether it's your car, your kitchen, or wherever it is you listen, uh, or if you're listening on a podcast. Uh, By the way, if you want to listen to uh, Friendly Fire on a podcast, all the episodes are there. They don't have the commercials. I know that makes you sad. But uh, the the podcast is available on KLIN.com. It's also available in all the places you listen to your, well, most of the places. I listen mostly on Apple Podcasts. It's on my iPhone, and uh, you can listen to your favorite episode of Friendly Fire. And if you listen this week, you're going to hear my conversation with Pastor Joy Martinez Marshall. Good morning, Joy. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. It's it's good to be with you. Uh, you now I we were getting reacquainted here, and yes. I had forgotten that uh, you've been on the program before. But it was it was during the pandemic, and it was on the phone. It was on the phone. So I'm looking at a picture of you through this screen right here on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And now here you are in studio. I know. What a full circle moment. (laughs) It it is. It is. Uh, But uh, at that point, you had been maybe uh, at uh, First Baptist Mm -hmm. is your church. And you've been there for maybe a year at that time or something? Yeah, I think a year, like nine months, just really Mm -hmm. early into my pastorate there. Uh And, And now fast forward. Uh, so that's that's about, about like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're yeah. four years into this. Uh, you still like your job? I do. I still like the job. Um, we are currently working with AC issues. So I don't like it as much this week because oh, no. it's been so hot. But I, I love it. I love the people of First Baptist. And I like being downtown and, and nosy and in everyone's business down there. Oh, I, well, so. I want to hear more about yeah. that. More about downtown and everything. Uh, now... Let's see, the the last time we were here, again, uh, COVID is kicking off, things are happening, and uh, and and COVID, everybody experienced COVID in a different way, but mm-hmm. what were some of the things you uh, personally and at, and at First B, by the way, I'm, I had old friends who went to First Baptist years ago, they always referred to it as First B. Is that a, is that a co- a kosher or should I, should I always say First Baptist? No, that's great. That's definitely a Midwestern thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm from the South, and so usually we say FBC, but First B... I love it. Okay. We'll hang with it. All right. It's Which, great. by the way, is down there, Caddy Corner to the Capitol, right? Yes, off 13th and K. All right. Uh, so uh, you're, you're, you arrive in Lincoln. You yeah. got a new church. You're yeah. trying to get things going, and all of a sudden, boom, COVID. What were some of the immediate impacts on uh, First B? Oh, man. Well, I was so anxious when it first happened. Um, mm. My husband and I had just moved here from Texas, moved mm. away from all of our family, I relocated. So we felt pretty isolated in the beginning because we didn't know where to go or what to do. And we're still new to Lincoln. And then at First Baptist, this is my first pastorate. So 
learning to navigate that with a group that was very anxious mm. was a little overwhelming. I, I feel like at the beginning, I just thought I was going to lose my job. I don't know what, <laughs> what happened, but every week I'd be like, will I get fired? Question mark. Um, but the people were so gracious. So there was a lot of anxiety at first and a lot of technology issues, mm. learning how to connect, um, a lot of phone calls, a lot of um, handwritten cards. Mm. And so that was very unique in the beginning to get to yeah. meet people that way. Mm -hmm. um, but it helped me connect with the people really well, better than I feel like I would have just from the Sunday, Wednesday interactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, uh, every, you know, you talk about, you know, you, you experience what you experience at your church. I experience what I experience at my church, but I'm telling you, I, it's, it's almost the same everywhere that I've talked yeah. to people. I don't know anybody who didn't, who said, Hey, we just kind of slid through and it was great. No problems. And uh, does does that comfort you or or discourage you to know that everybody's going through this this horrible thing? I think it, it made me feel the camaraderie that mm. none of us have good answers of what to do. Everyone was trying to make the best decision for their people and their congregation and meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was really overwhelming. I think one of the highlights that made it a little easier to navigate would be that we have three American Baptist churches in town. Mm. And so First Baptist, Second Baptist, and Belmont Baptist, we started um, doing worship like video discussion together. Mm. And so that actually brought a lot of healing to, um, as you know, First Bees do, we have a lot of transition between, oh, I used to go to First, I used to go to Second, I used to go to Belmont. And so it brought a lot of reconciliation. Mm. And so having that support with the other pastors was really really positive. And then being new, I I felt bad for those that have been, you know, working in churches and doing such great ministry a certain way, then had mm. to change it up. So it was nice to be new because I didn't have a standard. And so mm. anything we were doing, these emails or these newsletters or Zooming, everything was just new. And so <laughs> I guess I felt like if I was doing it wrong, no one would really know either. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> that was comforting. Yeah. They, well, they just thought Pastor Joy loves the technology. She's so good at this and loves to do it. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the best part was um, when I first was hired, uh, I was hired when I was 26 or 27. So now I'm 30, very old, mm. advanced age, just turned 30 this year. Yeah. And so that was the big concern was, you know, yeah. can we have a young pastor? I'm the first female pastor that they hired. So there was a little bit of anxiousness. You know, what yeah. would this be like? Our last pastor was the age of my parents. And so there was a little, I guess, unsure nature at the beginning. But then when the pandemic hit, a couple of people were like, oh, thank God you're young because you know the Internet and you have a phone and you can text message. And so yeah. that was kind of encouraging to have yeah. that support. And they're like, we would have never thought to video or we would have never thought to video with a lapel mic. And so I did have that little advantage. That was nice. That is very nice. By the way, you made me feel super old because... You're as old as my youngest child. Oh, perfect. Well, I figured. That's wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm still young at heart. Yeah. You know, they right. say age is just a mindset. Well, sure. well, you know, it is. It is just a number, except when the number gets kind of big and your knees aren't great. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you take 80 pills a day just yeah. to keep things. But, uh, but enough of that. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's no good. Uh, by the way, you're three or uh, four years in Lincoln now. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any uh, favorite things about Lincoln or I... least favorite, but I'd prefer the favorite. Oh, man. Well, my new favorite thing is mm -hmm. the Texas barbecue place that just woke 
uh, opened up, Canyon mm. Joe's Barbecue. Where is that? At? Uh, it's over in the Telegraph District, over mm. off like in and 17th or 18th right okay, over there. A, a buddy of mine said meet me at the barbecue place at 18th and n yes that's that it? it yes okay. so i want to give them a shout out because i'm from texas mm-hmm. and i've eaten every central texas and mm-hmm. dallas barbecue and they are very good so that's been wow. like a little bright spot when my husband and i miss home we go get a pound of brisket and that is like balm for our soul. That is, so that's been good. So, but there is there is a Texas steakhouse here, but is that just it's just been it's been branded too much to really be legit Texas? Yeah. Well, it is. I would say it's legit Texas just because of the rolls. Gotcha. You know, it's like a hallmark. It's like we have to go there because you have to have the rolls with the cinnamon butter. Oh. It's a it's a thing. Ooh, that does. You know, I haven't been. My wife doesn't eat steaks. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, mm, you know, how am I going to, I got to think of an excuse to go to these kind of places. So, <laughs> you really got to work an angle there. Yes, I definitely got to work an angle there. Um, well, in fact, we were, before we got started here, you were saying that uh, you had just come back from camp. Yes, yes. Last week I served as the camp pastor for senior high camp at our American Baptist camp in Linwood, Nebraska, mm-hmm. Camp Moses Merrill. And so I spent a week there, and then another pastor, who I actually went to seminary with, served. So we had a male and a female pastor for senior high, about 45, 50 kids. And it was a good time, and luckily it was not too hot last week. The, uh, okay, so Camp Moses Merrill is not too far from Schuyler, right? Allegedly, yes. I'm not good with my <laughs> Nebraska geography, but I have heard that rumor. Well, we used to go to Schuyler uh, quite a bit. There was a family cabin on the on the Platte River, mm-hmm. and we'd always go by the sign that said Camp Moses Merrill. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was off. See, that's the other thing. We, we think of Nebraska as being mostly, you know, uh, cornfields and so forth, but it's actually Moses Merrill has some some trees and some contour. It's, yeah. it's kind of wooded, right? Yes, and it's on a bunch – it's really hilly at mm-hmm. the camp, I feel like. Yeah, which is not typical Nebraska, right? Yeah, not at all. Okay, well, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, I want to hear about camp. Okay, I'm Let's, looking forward to okay, it. Okay, let's do it. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with uh, Pastor Joy Martinez-Marshall, and uh, glad to have you along. We're just getting started here on a Friendly Fire Saturday on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively. The conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety-nine three KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with uh, Pastor Joy Martinez Marshall, and uh, she's uh, uh, the pastor down at the First Baptist Church, or as I sometimes say, First B, down there at uh, right uh, across the street from the state capitol. And we were talking about uh, camp last week. So you got to be uh, the camp pastor mm-hmm. for, uh, did you have to do any counseling to, along with the pastoring? Yeah, it turned out uh, <laughs> it was a pastoral care camp, it felt like. So there was uh, quite a bit of that last week. Oh, well, let's, okay, let's talk about camp. Now, I my first experience with camp was, was started off really rough. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, when I was a kid, I went and I was, now I know I was having a panic attack. Somehow they talked me off the ledge and I got through and I, I came to love camp um, and, and actually was involved, as you've been involved in, in helping lead some camps. Uh, what was your first experience like at camp? I went to Mount Lebanon camp in like Cedar, Cedar Hill, Texas. So 
outside of the Dallas area, and it was by far one of the worst weeks of my life. Uh. I did not have a great camp experience. And mind you, it's also like 105. So, no. you know, you're marching around this encampment. You're, I was not very good at the Spirit Award. You know, my name is Joy, but my tagline is, don't let it fool you. So <laughs> yes. I, I was excited, but I didn't get the hype of, yeah. like, the Spirit Awards. And um, I grew up in a, a denomination that um, didn't always have female voices. And so mm-hmm. one of the interesting things was I was gifted in different ways. You know, I, I'm not the Beth Moore type of, type of leader and love her. She's great. And so even as a young girl, it just didn't really fit with what the camp had. I got in trouble for playing with the boys, playing basketball mm. instead of doing, I guess, the crafts or whatever <laughs> else we were supposed to be doing. So it was an interesting week. I felt really isolated from my home church and just did not like it. But that week I connected with God for really mm. the first time. Mm. And so it was this love hate of feeling so disconnected from the people I came with from my church, mm. but the most connected I ever had been. And understood to be with the risen Christ. So Mm. it was a really odd event. I also took my cell phone, which was (laughs) not allowed. Um, I hid it. (laughs) And then I texted my mom every day, like, come get me. This place is gross. It's hot. (laughs) Um, She refused. So I'm glad for that. But Mm -hmm. then the pastor's daughter found out I had my phone. Mm -hmm. And before she could tell on me, I told on myself during, you know, Thursday night, cry night. As they call it. <laughs> yes. Now, wait, even as even as you say that, I know exactly what you mean by that. <laughs> but some of the listeners might not know, well, what does she mean? Thursday night, cry night? What's that about? How would you describe uh, the, the kind of emotional arc of mm-hmm. a week at camp? Yeah. As the older I get, the more I realize that cry night, yes, connections and experiences with God, but also just being really tired and overwhelmed <laughs> from so much yes. during the week. Uh, but usually, you know, you experience all of these fun things. You connect. You hear scripture. You pray. You get to have a small group. And then by Thursday, you finally feel that real bond. Mm-hmm. So you feel safe with one another to share. And then often, at least my church, we would come back all together and kind of give testimony about what we learned this week. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it could be emotionally overwhelming Mm -hmm. and you're tired. And so some people, um, I'm not a crier actually. And so, Um, uh, okay, well, I'll let you cry for me. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So everyone kind of was sobbing and sharing these really deep things. And then I was a smart aleck. So I got up and I was like, I brought my cell phone, John, you know, take, here's my phone. I want it back tomorrow when we go home. <laughs> but yeah, Thursday night is kind of known as the emotional high, the climax mm-hmm. of camp, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you even, okay, you don't want to be there and you're kind of, you know, well, get me out of here. I want to go home. But you said that it's still that Jesus, God met you there. Mm-hmm. Jesus met you there at the camp. What did that describe what you mean by that? I would say that I had kind of my first spiritual experience. Like during the worship, I felt like the pastor was speaking directly to me through the Mm -hmm. messages, through the situations. And then my youth pastor had invited a missionary that was serving somewhere in in Latin America. And she kind of came. So she was on the outskirts, but she was serving as a camp counselor. And her name was Carla. Carla. I should probably like Facebook her or something. Yeah. Uh, she was the person that took the time to kind of talk with me and, and mm. 
allow me to ask questions and really just connected with me. I think she could see that I was not enjoying my time. Um, but the worship was so important, the speaking, all of those things. I came to believe that God was real, mm. despite having a really awful attitude about camp. Mm. That's something that I, I often get in trouble with mm. sometimes is um, an attitude or I, I make up my mind really easily. And so I unfortunately get set in my ways, even as a 16-year-old girl. I was like, yeah, this is boring. This is not fun. But I feel like there's something more to this. Mm. What was, uh, would you say that was a turning point in terms of you wanted to, to be a pastor? Yeah, I would say that that big experience encouraged me to really start a relationship mm -hmm. um, with Christ. And then the next year I was went back begrudgingly. I went back again to the same place. And um, felt like that was where I was invited to be a part of ministry or mission or something. And so I didn't know how to articulate that. And so I didn't tell anyone. And then for a couple of weeks later, I was like, yeah, mom and dad, like, I might want to be a missionary or be in ministry. And uh, my parents sobbed. They were like so overwhelmed. They were so excited. They were so supportive. And I thought kind of like, well, that's dramatic, you know. It's not, not that big of a deal, guys. This is just an idea that I had. Yeah. And so that second year at camp was a huge turning point that mm. really changed my life. And I felt like I had my initial call to ministry. Mm. That was one of the questions I've been asking all the pastors on here is you talk about uh, coming to know Christ and want to follow Christ and want to serve Christ. Mm -hmm. And I know for some people, again, there's a dramatic moment where all of a sudden every, all of, everything kind of comes into focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, seems like to me like for more people, it's it's there's a process over a period of time. Uh, how would you describe it in terms of uh, how how uh, Christ met you and and called you to follow Him and to serve Him? What, what what how would you describe that? I'm assuming more of a process. Yes, I mean I had a I felt like an emotional experience at camp, and so mm -hmm. I thought, wow, this is really God. I really do believe all this. Mm -hmm. Um, stuff that we've been talking about, all these ideas. I grew up going to church. I actually grew up in a different, couple different denominations in my hometown. Um, my hometown is known for churches splitting. Mm. So actually, every church I've ever been a part of has split more mm. than once as a as a child. Now, no church I've worked at has split. So I want that on record nice. here. It's not, nice. So I feel like <laughs> you know maybe it's not me. <laughs> I'm not the common yes. denominator. Yeah. Uh, but I had I grew up Assemblies of God, and mm. then I grew up Southern Baptist, and then non-denominational, and then worked at a Methodist church, and I'm now American Baptist. So a different kind of journey, but it was a process. And I felt called at that camp. I felt like that was something very definite, that mm. I was supposed to do some kind of ministry. I didn't know what, and I didn't know what that looked like. And so then as I attempted to follow this call, uh, we did stuff in youth that kind of continued the conversation for me. We did like a spiritual gifts inventory, and I was the only only youth and only girl to score for like e evangelist and shepherd and mm. apostle. Those were like my top three gifts, and mm. my church did not know what to do with that. They were like, oh, that's nice. That you know, That's <laughs> typical joy. You know, she's always on the cutting edge kind of thing. Um, so I felt like, wow, well, maybe if I really am gifted like this, what would I do with that? And so I uh, had a wonderful high school experience, and I had two older brothers that went to the same high school. 
uh, my parents and one of my brothers still lives in my hometown. So having that support at school and being a part of a different crowd and then going to church and not being a part of that crowd, I felt like it was my job to share with my friends, to share in Fellowship of Christian Athletes, my faith, what was going on in my life. So mm -hmm. I was kind of a, probably a little annoying evangelist type person. I'm sure I'm sure people got sick of me. Uh, but then that process of like really connecting with people and sharing my faith encouraged me to keep going, to keep mm. trying, to keep seeking that out. And then I ended up going to Guatemala after I graduated high school for six weeks and lived with a missionary. And it was there that it was definitely confirmed. I'm called to ministry. Don't know what that looks like. But it was definitely a two to three year process mm. of me just learning more. I'd stay up and I'd write sermons and I'd write three different points from a passage and a poem because I am Baptist. So, you <laughs> know, go. got to have our three points in a poem. Yes, that's, that's a little Presbyterian too. Okay, good, yeah. good. Well, I'm glad we can share that. Yeah. And um, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, this is just something I like to do. I love to talk I, and I like Jesus and I like to tell people about it. And so... I kept doing that just alone, and then I shared with my church, and they're like, yeah, that's odd. <laughs> people <laughs> people don't just do that. Uh, so, and, and now you get paid to do it. And now, and now yes, I How get paid that? to do it. It's, is, it's a full circle moment for that, sure. That is great. We're going to take our second break here. When we come back, uh, we will, uh, well, I might wrap up some things about camp, but we'll also uh, talk about things that are happening here locally. Uh, good to have you along. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here with Joy Martinez-Marshall, and uh, glad to have you along. Uh, we'll be right back here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with uh, Pastor Joy Martinez-Marshall, and she's the fast, uh, pastor at First Baptist, or as I've been saying, First B. I got that from Jim Schaefer, an old friend who used to attend First B, and so it kind of stuck. Um, so but you've been there about four years. Mm -hmm. You're downtown. Um, you know, downtown's going through a lot of changes, and, yeah. and some of those changes pretty recently these last few years. How have you experienced some of those changes downtown? By the way, the housing. Are there really enough people to live in all the housing that is down there now? It's pretty it's, overwhelming. It's unreal. It is. Yeah. It is. We're kind of on the more south side. So we see, of course, a lot of people that work at the state, a lot of people that are coming by. We are across the street from St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. And so we sometimes get confused um, with them. They're going through some construction right now. And so that has been horrible for our parking. So mm. I'll just <laughs> say that we, we have to learn how to share parking and because we only own 11 spots. Mm. So there's way too many apartments, not enough parking, yes. in my humble opinion. Yeah. But there's a lot going on, a lot of foot traffic, a lot of different things. And By the way, when we were at characters. 9th and D, we can beat that. We only had four spots. Oh, wow. We had to buy uh, three properties behind us so we could actually have... 40 spots. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, was, that was a big increase. But back to uh, 14th and K, right? Yeah, 13th and K. 13th, and 13th 14th, and K, right gotcha. there. Gotcha, yeah. What, what else, what other changes have you seen downtown? Or, what, or what's it like actually doing ministry right in, near the heart of, of everything that's happening down there? Mm -hmm. It has been a unique challenge because we don't, our neighbors are businesses and other mm. churches. So, Connecting with um, people, with businesses, with places has been 
a challenge, but we've tried to do some more things. So when I first got here, I felt like every time I met someone, they were just shocked. They would say, oh, is that the beautiful church downtown? And I'd say, the St. Mary's or First <laughs> Baptist? Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those awkward yeah. conversations. And people say, oh, I thought that church was closed. Mm. And I thought, wow, that was great. What a what a fun way to start. Yeah. So a lot of our ministry and focus has been on being more open to the community, being mm. available. So we have a free little library downtown. Mm. You can come by. That's been a big part of our ministry. And so we've had a lot more foot traffic and just letting people know that we're there. And we do a lunch ministry on Saturdays. And so we've been able to partner with the Barnabas community north of town, a local retirement home, Savannah Pines. They make all of our lunches. Mm. And then the ministries in our church, we share our building with two other autonomous churches. So mm. the Lincoln Corinne Baptist Church, which is American Baptist by Heritage, and Livingston Christian Church, which is a South Sudanese congregation that we share in ministry with. Mm -hmm. And so we're all leading the SAC lunch ministry on a Saturday. Mm. And so having the building open more, answering questions, having more material, having the little free library helps us be a better neighbor. But it doesn't come with its own challenges of construction downtown, um, people at the um, Capitol advocating for various things that use our parking lot, which happens. And But it's been a very positive experience, mm. and it's fun. I like I like being downtown. You know, there we were, again, when I was at 9th and D, we weren't downtown. We were fairly close. And then... Uh, and uh, security now is the big topic in churches. You know, how do you mm -hmm. how do you keep it secure and the people wandering in and all those kinds of things? And while you're you're right there downtown where people are wandering all over, is, is security a big a big deal? It's definitely a concern of ours, especially with the various groups that meet at various times. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our congregations meet a little later. You know, if they come after work or if they work nights. You know, it's not odd to have a 9 p.m. choir practice. And so we try to make sure the building is locked and secure, uh, but also we try to just be as accessible as possible to people mm -hmm. and just be very clear of our boundaries. You know, we, we'd love to help you on Saturday. We'd love for you to come by. Unfortunately, it's Tuesday at 2.30. The office is closed, yeah. and, you know, we'd love to help. And, of course, there's also different concerns Um being a young woman and being alone in the building is never something that's uh, fun, but the church has taken good steps to make sure we're being as um, thoughtful and possible as possible and then meeting people when they come in. Yeah, you know, yeah. if we, we don't see someone we recognize or someone comes by, uh, our church is super friendly, actually probably to a degree that is maybe a little overwhelming <laughs> if you come in. They're a friendly, friendly crowd. Mm -hmm. And so that really helps to kind of greet people and, and make yeah. sure people feel comfortable and safe and those that come and receive the assistance they need or join us in fellowship and worship. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, the three churches, and then you're talking about your experience growing up and seeing church church splits and plants and how just it was uh, COVID turned out to be a great opportunity to kind of reconnect with those churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've we've planted two churches and we have, in fact, next week we're having our annual unity service. Oh, wonderful. And so it's fun to once a year just to get together. Um, is, do you think um, one of the reasons we do that is just so that people remember, because they might, might have left my church to go to one of the other churches, or there might be some, you know, 
fractures are out there. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons we do this is to remind them that we're all on the same team and that yeah. we're, we're, we're really one big uh, group. Uh, describe that experience of them being together with the other two churches. And, and do you think there's anything that you might pursue in the future to kind of keep, keep nurturing that? Yes. Uh, we are usually meet every quarter to worship together, all three congregations. Mm. So we do, of course, the ministries inside First Baptist that share in the building and fellowship. So we do those worships. And then during the Holy Week or during Christmas, our American Baptist churches in Lincoln, we get together to do stuff. So sharing in ministry has definitely deepened those relationships mm. and has made it just a richer fellowship. You know, you come into First Baptist in a morning, on a Sunday, you hear English, Arabic, Karen. Mm. <laughs> and we used to also share ministry with the Chinese Christian Church. Mm. And they actually just bought a building last year, and so we celebrated with them. And so mm. we try to maintain those relationships by worshiping together. If I'm gone, I'll ask one of the other pastors to fill in for me. Uh, mm. They've been so gracious to extend the invitation to myself. And now we're working on doing youth ministry together and how that would look to have kind of one youth gathering once a month or to help support some of our students. You know, First Baptist Lincoln, we have students, um, and they attend the other congregations on Sundays with their family. And so what can we do to support the ministries that are thriving? How important it is for teenagers to see people that look like them and speak their language in leadership. But then how can we provide another way for them not to feel like they have to come to English church, Anglo church, and then their congregation. And so helping bridge that gap, that's been something we've been really pursuing this year. Mm -hmm. And we had a wonderful intern that uh, was working on his MDiv at Central Seminary. And so he helped bridge those gaps. He's a, a Korean young man, and that has been just beautiful. It's been so fun. Part of I felt like what my calling was, um, was to work and do cross-cultural ministry and to do some race reconciliation work. Uh, mm -hmm. My dad is Mexican-American, so I'm half Mexican and half white, and he grew up in central Texas. He grew up in a small uh, Primera Iglesia Baptista, which is a First Baptist that was planted by the First Baptist in his hometown um, because they didn't want people of Hispanic descent to be a part mm -hmm. of their fellowship. So that's kind of been part of my ministry and story is to help bridge those gaps. Mm. And so it's funny that in the middle of Lincoln at FBC, we've kind of been able to do some of that. Um, but it definitely lots of challenges with language and culture and um, bridging those gaps has, has been fun, but hard work. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's take one last break. When we come back, I want to, we're going to do a shameless plug. Okay. I wanna, and I want to follow up on that, uh, um, the whole ethnic component, because uh, that's a huge part of Zion's story as well. And uh, so we'll get into that in just a moment. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with uh, Pastor Joy Martinez-Marshall. Glad to have you along on a Friendly Fire Saturday on 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here talking with Pastor Joy Martinez-Marshall. And, uh, Pastor Joy, it is that time where we always do a shameless plug. So I say to you, plug away. Okay, I'm ready for this. All right. So, First Baptist or First B. Yeah. <laughs> we, we meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. 
And you can come through our front doors that are off um, K Street. Mm -hmm. They're handy, capable, accessible. You can come in the building. Uh, we worship together, fellowship, music. Every third Sunday, we have a church-wide, community-wide potluck. Mm. And so if you're interested on a third Sunday, come and join us for lunch. Get to know us. We also meet for Bible studies on Wednesdays at 7. You can find the information on our website, which is fbclincoln.org. And if you have any questions, you can email me. It's joy at fbclincoln.org. And then if you're the neighborhood on a Sunday you're all, or Saturday, well, Sunday, Saturday, either day, mm -hmm. on Saturday you can come by the church at noon. Um, from noon until whenever we're out of lunches, you can come get a free sack lunch and a free water and, um, you know, find that need met there through that ministry called K Street Lunch. Mm -hmm. And then on Sundays, if you'd like to join First Baptist, 1030 a.m. If you'd like to join Lincoln Corinne Baptist Church, 1230 p.m. If you'd like to go to Livingston Christian Church, 5, really 530 p.m. in the afternoon. So we have a lot going on. You know, we're a small congregation that is really seeking to love our neighbor better and, mm. and do various things. It's a fun group. Some people have been members for um, a year. Some people have been members since they came to a UNL back mm. in the 60s. So mm. it's a it's a good group. There's never a dull moment uh, amongst us. Yeah. All right. FBCLincoln.org. Um, you're talking about that ethnic component and uh, the old Zion. Well, I, uh, my uh, my church is a, is a result of a of a merger of two other churches, and so I during my sabbatical I was writing a paper on mm -hmm. just the, both sides of the story, and uh, I, in particular on the Zion side of it, Zion Congregational. It, of course, it was founded by Germans from Russia, mm -hmm. not Germans, not Russians. Germans from Russia. Got it. So you got to, if you get that wrong, you get everything wrong. Okay. And uh, sometimes also referred, referred to as Volga Russians, mm -hmm. uh, Volga Germans, because they were from the Volga Valley in Russia. So more than you ever wanted to know. The bottom line is, uh, here they are in Lincoln, Nebraska, and of course they're doing services in German until the 1950s. Mm. All the way through the First World War and the Second World mm -hmm. War, they're still doing services in German. And wow. uh, and finally then decided to, I think, you know, split, uh, eventually then made the shift to English. Um, but the immigrant experience that they had, again, why did they live in the North and South Bottoms? Mm -hmm. Because that was the cheap housing and they were the cheap labor and they were, you know, kind of had to make their way and it was a rough experience. And, mm -hmm. and so that's funny with every generation, there's an immigrant story that isn't actually that different. It's, it's, it's there, there was a hardship they're looking for an opportunity. They came. They did the hard work that pretty much nobody else wanted to do. Mm -hmm. They tried to maintain some of their identity, but the second generation is going to, you know, shift even more away from the language and so forth. Is that is that just the we, – we act as if the, the immigrant crisis and story is a new thing. It's as old as, as history, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of – just the shared common humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, people have always sought to um, find greener past pastures and to do everything that they can for their families. I mean, mm -hmm. these are loving, thoughtful people that want their families and their children to thrive and to yeah. find safety and haven and um, new opportunities. But yeah. it is, it's a unique experience. I mean, my uh, grandmother, my great grandparents came over um, from Mexico 
and became citizens like right before they died. I mean, it took years, but during mm. that system, they were still giving out green cards. So my grandmother had a green card, though mm. she was born in Texas. My dad's first language was Spanish, um, but speaks like beautiful English. And mm. it's just a, it's so interesting. Like we keep a lot of that alive and, and do things um, to honor that. And so it's fun. It's fun in the sense to get to do ministry alongside the um, current peoples here and all mm. that they do and their resilience and their thoughtfulness mm. and how much their fellowship enriches our fellowship and our devotion to Christ. And yeah. they do 24 hour prayer at the end of the month. Mm. Um, I don't think any of us have gone to 24 hour prayer, but it's the fact that we know our brothers and sisters are in the building praying, mm. not just for their congregation and their people, but for all of us. Yes. Uh, and then our South Sudanese congregation, you know, they come from uh, a lot of horrible things happening in their country and still now are, mm. are experiencing that. And our pastor, uh, came from South Sudan, served in the U.S. Army, mm. and went back to the Congo to serve, and then came back and landed in Lincoln. And so mm. his story is is wonderful. But getting to share in fellowship is just, mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's, it's fun to get to hear the different languages. That was one of the big parts of um, my story when I came to know just the extent of how big God was when I went to Guatemala and, mm. and realized the same God that was in the colony, Texas, is the same God that's in Guatemala. And so now hearing that, you know, the we think, uh, unfortunately, we don't give refugees and immigrants a fair shot um, because we have this kind of mindset of scarcity. But there's so much abundance to go around and, and knowledge and sharing in like culture and food, but mm. also in Christianity, you know, learning different traditions and hearing about how God has brought them through has been so just impactful to yeah. my spiritual life. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I've, uh, I haven't thought about it deeply, but I've heard more than one person say that, that Christianity uniquely, um, the, the core message of Christianity is very flexible in, in almost any, any culture. Mm -hmm. And so the culture doesn't need to shift to, uh, embrace the Christianity, the Christianity will demonstrate itself in a kind of a unique way in every culture. Uh, do you find that to be somewhat true? I do. I think sacrificial love speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. And I think so often we get caught up in these ideas that it has to fit what we see it to be, or it has to fit our culture, or it has to be dominant. And But I mm -hmm. think that God is so much bigger and better than we know. And the Holy Spirit is so powerful that it comes up in these different ways. Mm -hmm. you know, it reminds me of the parable of the yeast. You, know, you don't see it. You don't really care about it until you need bread. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it grows and it makes something delicious and sustains life. And mm. I think that Christianity and the love of Christ, the risen Christ, can speak speak to that in different ways. And even mm. different types of prayer, different types of reading, different services. I mean, it's mm -hmm. so interesting Baptists and American Baptists pride themselves on not being creedal people. You know, we have no creed, but the Bible is like our really bad saying, which is not true because we follow the Nicene <laughs> Creed. But that's yeah. a topic for a different time. Yes. Um, but our current congregation, they're really liturgical. They mm. sing the same hymn for offering. They sing this. And so it's just awesome to see the way Christ has been revealed in those things mm -hmm. and comes around and. You know, we get so caught up in wanting our culture to be 
the best or the most Christian when uh, Christ will reveal himself anyway. Yes. It is interesting, too, in the book of Revelation, uh, you think, well, yeah, but in the final kingdom, we'll all, have, we'll all do things the right way, whatever that right way is. And yet in the final kingdom, there are still tribes and peoples and nations and languages. And uh, it isn't like all these things go away. Yeah. The, the, the beauty and tapestry of uh, God's creation is more fully revealed. Yes. There, um, there's a youth ministry book called, what is it? It's like, oh, man. It asks three big questions. And so one of the questions was how the different ethnic groups and the different tribes, they help us see a more fuller picture of who God is. And so mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to lean into and embrace is what can I see about God's goodness and community and family and bonds and often in other cultures. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned prayer too. the, um, the Presbyterian church is very big in Korea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember in seminary, the Korean pastors would be up super early or, or maybe have all night prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, really? I, I don't want to do that. I, I'll never stay awake. And yet this was just a, a this was a part of uh, the way they, they worshiped. Mm-hmm. So while well, we're just about out of time, thank you so much for taking your time to come on down and be here in the studio. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the invitation. You're always welcome at First B. All right. <laughs> at, and she's even, I'm even making her say First B, uh, which is uh, 13th and... K Street. K. And it's a modern building. It's a beautiful building. And uh, I, I guarantee you, you'll be warmly welcomed. Mm-hmm. You bet. I leave you saying today, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next time.